to the part two episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast covering the Knights and the Roosters. You would have heard me, Barnsley, talking to Luke Garrity about his Newcastle Knights in part one. Part two is now here with us talking through the Roosters season preview. And Luke, Roosters, obviously my team now, so you're not going to get to talk as much, but <laughs> I, I really quite like them for this year. I know that's going to astound many people, but... Look, I was, uh, when we're looking at their season and their prospects for 2022, you know, I was pretty proud of the Roosters last year. I thought that they did a really good job considering all the outs and everything. Um, when we're having a look at their lineup for 2022, it's obviously going to be vastly different, uh, vastly different, not just because of the outs that they've got with the guys that have left, but also because there's just a, a heap of guys that are going to come back. Obviously, Luke Curie is coming back from injury, and that's going to be it a huge deal for the Roosters. So when we're looking at the losses, there's going to be some big ones. Dale Copley's not one of the big ones, but he's gone. Uh, Boyd Cordner, Jake Friend, Josh Morris, Brett Morris, all retired. That's absolutely massive losses. Obviously, you know, Boyd didn't really play last year. Uh, Jake was out pretty early on, uh, but Brett Morris was going phenomenal until halfway through the season. Uh, and Josh Morris, you know, played pretty solid for the year as well. Ikevalu's gone over the Sharks. Um, Isaac Liu, the Titans. Um, Liu in particular is really underrated for the Brewsters. He's been a bit of a linchpin for that pack oh, for a number of years now. So, I mean, he's he's going to be quite sorely missed and a lot of people won't realise how much. And now when you're looking at the gains, they haven't really signed too many. Big one, I think the buyer of the year is going to be Connor Watson. I think he's going to work out really well for the Brewsters. Not for Supercoach, but certainly in, in real life, he's going to work out great. Uh, Paul Momorowski is going to be a good one as well. Um, and then we've got a Tony from the Bulldogs. who's a bit of depth in the forward pack. And I've seen a lot of people starting with Kevin Nkwama. He's he's going to be depth as far as I'm concerned as well, but he's a good signing to replace like someone like Ikevalu, who was a second-grade guy. But, Luke, Roosters for 2022. Yeah, look, I... I... I think we've got to see them in the top four. We look across that roster and you look who's coming back. And I, I think I couldn't be bigger on them. I think they're a chance to win the comp. Yeah, I thought I was going to be the one that said that. Yeah, that's no, why I w- no. went over to you. It said Roosters 2022 because I didn't want to say we're going to be in the grand final this year. I, I'm feeling it. but No, they're a big chance. They're a really big chance. If you look at that team, I'm trying to find a floor in it. Um, I, I just don't, it's not even a, you know, I'm not even that, like excited or getting carried away looking at going, oh, they've got this guy and that guy. Just looking going, just matter-of-factly, I just think it would be a massive failure if they weren't in the top four. And, you know, I if they were to not be in at least the preliminary final with that team, I think that would be disappointing. So once you're in the prelim, you're only a win away yep. from being there. I think they've got to be right up there. They, they were clearly missing Kiri last year and they had their problems at hooker. Um, hopefully... If Verrills is fit and good to go, that he could fix that. I thought that really culled them. They had so many issues at Hooker last year, and I thought it killed them over a year. It was really noticeable, and I think he's a good player. So if he's back and fit again this year and can do a job and is motivated because he's losing his job next year. So if, if he can sort of do that job and Kiri comes back in, um, you know, Walker is a year older and, and, and bigger, and, and, you know, hopefully guys like Sawali can kick on, they should be right up the top. They really should. Yeah, I, I think that we're definitely top four. Uh, and I think it's going to be a much, mm. a largely more successful year for everyone. 
Um, and that's going to equate to super coach points as well. Uh, I think overall, when we're looking Ooh. at the seasons, everybody struggled um, last year. And yeah, even guys like Teddy and, and so forth, if you have a different spine week to week for so many months, uh, it's a it's a real big deal, you know. And there was you know many times there where the spine wasn't even training together for several weeks because of injuries and stuff. Even the guys that were going out there, young guys too. They're young guys as well playing there. They're not guys that can just not show up and train. They're young guys trying to work around players. They're not getting to practice with and stuff. It makes a big difference. Yeah, and I mean, look, Ben Marshke is a good example. Look, I've actually seen people putting Ben Marshke in their side, which I find insane. Mm-hmm. Just to reiterate, mm-hmm. Marshke was not even expected to play first grade like potentially at any point, um, let alone last year, he was not expected to. You know, he, he did an admirable job. I don't think he's an NRL first-grade hooker at all, um, and I don't think the Roosters see him as one either. So I'd be very surprised if he gets any minutes if um, if everyone's fit because it's going to be Verrills and then Connor Watson off the bench, and even other guys could potentially be the bench utilities. So, yeah, it, it, yeah mm. but someone like Marshy had to come in who who wasn't prepared for first grade and, and play nine and he tried his best and there was a lot of that throughout the year drew hutchison as well you know I, i've seen people talk about mm. you know well, hutchison will probably start there's, there's no way like hutchison i really appreciate for last year because he tried his guts out but he he wasn't a, a starting quality half in the nrl and he just spent you know he spent two years before moving from being a, a new south wales cup half to being a, an edge back rower you know, and then he's had to move back to half again. It's, you know, there's a lot of these guys that came in that, that made things really tough and it wasn't for lack of trying from them. It was just because of combinations and just because, you know, they aren't guys like Kiri or, or Brett Morris or all these other guys that were out. So I, I think it's going to be, I think we're going to be a lot better for it because we certainly gave some young guys um, some extra minutes. The Butcher brothers got some good minutes. Uh, Fletcher Baker came through and got some good minutes. The sort of guys that we've got coming back though, like, you know, I mentioned the injuries, you know, we've got Collins coming back from injuries as well, who could be huge for us as well. So yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of guys that were hurt that are now going to come back and, and make a big difference. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, obviously, but I'm a Roosters fan, so I'm going to stop talking about him too much. So, Luke, <laughs> do you think that that's going to equate to, you know, additional super coach points? Do you kind of agree with me that, um, you know, it's the sort of up and down season they had last year with all the outs and everything affected their points? Yeah, I think it affected some of them. I think it affected the upside on, on the edge back rowers. Like I was so big last year on starting Tupanua and like then you get into the season and just didn't have the continuity to give him the amount of big games I thought he'd get with, you know, that with Akiri there and stuff like that. If he was, you know, he would have been so much better if they had all those guys all year. thought Angus just missed on you know, he had a good season, but just that, again, just that continuity in the spine, I think he would have got more of those, more tries and more breaks and things like that. Um, Teddy's an interesting one because Teddy, Teddy should get a lot more easy stuff that he's very good at, the polish and the backing up and all those things. But I thought he did step up other areas of his game, which he'll now need to bring back. So you can look at that either way and say he should get untouched under the post quite a few more times. But uh, I think, if they were to play Kieran Walker, I think it'd be fair to say he'll be stepping back quite a bit from sort of getting grubber kicks into the in goal and, and throwing cutout passes from the middle of the field as well. So he, he's the only one that you could make an argument either way on. I tend to think he'll go better, but I could understand if you weren't sure. But the others, yeah, I think they, it's more those guys like Tupu on the wing, um, the two edge back rowers and those guys. I could see them just getting a bit more upside with that continuity in the spine. Yep, yep. And when we're having a look at their draw when we're reviewing their prospects for 2022, 
they've actually got quite a good draw. Um, the first half of their draw is really nice. They actually play round 13. So out of the four teams we've now spoken about in the preseason podcast, they're the first one that actually plays round 13. So if you've got guys that aren't going to be in origin, they're, they're a potential play for that first buy, which is handy if you get them in round one. Uh, opening up against your Newcastle Knights, Luke, then we, then they hit mm-hmm. Manly, then South. So that's, uh, that's a pretty hard round two and three. Um, what I will say with South, so is there has... Tough round one, tough round one. Tough, tough round one, <laughs> easy round two and three. But <laughs> what I will say with South is that even though they're always good games, it, there seems to be quite a bit of points in them. They're never really the grind fest, yep. you know, you, you sort of think about with South Roosters rivalry. And certainly with South having a different team now and different coach, it remains to be seen how they're going to go at the start of the season. So, you know, Newcastle, Manly, South, yeah, the couple not as good there, but then they hit the real money spot. You know, from round four onwards, Cowboys, Broncos, Warriors, Dragons, Bulldogs, that rounds out the first two months of football. And even if you go on from there up until the draw, you know, round nine to 13, they go Titans, Parramatta, Penrith, Sharks, Raiders. And certainly, you know, Parra, Penrith, 10 to 11, that's not great. Uh, but the other games are pretty good. So that round, that, that first half of the season, really round one to 13, but particularly when you're looking at round four to round nine, They've that mm. round four to round nine is as good a sweet spot of a draw that any team has. So certainly you might get hurt a little bit round two to three, which might scare a few people off when they look at that draw. But you're gonna really regret it in round four to nine if the roosters are firing because that's that's gonna be their purple patch where they're gonna put on a lot of points. So I really, really like the roosters draw. Um and that's why I'm gonna be targeting a few guys. I'm not just saying that as a roosters fan. If they had the knights draw, I wouldn't like it as much, okay? <laughs> Yeah, look, I think that's all fair enough. It's a good, it's a good draw. There's a couple there early, but the guys you'll be looking at, I think, um, the, the premium options can score well in those hard games anyway. And some of the guys you might think about, a lot of them are probably guys with a reasonable base anyway that might still be able to not totally stink in those round two to three games. You know, there's quite a few of the guys we're probably going to get on to talk to don't necessarily have to go awfully just because they're playing a good team. It might just kneecap their ceiling a little bit for two weeks, and you'll cop that for the four to nine draw. Yeah, for sure. And the first guy we're going to talk about is the number one gun to talk about for the Roosters, James Tedesco. So Teddy's going to be 760000 That's cheaper than what he was in uh, 2020, that's for sure. 2020 had his highest score that he averaged at 95 points a game. 2021, he was 87 points a game, so an eight-point drop-off. Now, I have to say outright, Luke, I'm astounded to the point of upset as a fan, the amount of people that jump on a narrative that Tedesco had a bad season. And it was really prevalent throughout last year, like Teddy's having a bad season, or, you know. <laughs> and, you know, the comparisons to Turbo, you know, Turbo definitely had a better season. Even in real life, you know, I've said to a lot of people, look, Turbo was a better player last year. I'm happy to concede that. Turbo was on fire. Doesn't mean Tedesco had a bad season. You know, he was down eight points. His base was actually down eight points exactly. You know, that's really interesting. His base was down eight points, and that doesn't happen with Teddy normally. And because his base was down, so was some of his TBs. But he still had seven tons for the season. Seven tons out of his 20 games played. And that included a 182-point ton, which I think is top 10 all-time scores still, and 162. And 50% of his games were 90-plus. So, you know, for somebody to say that Teddy had a bad year averaging 87 points a game and 50% of his games were 90-plus in a 20-game season, that is insanely good. And his price at 760000 which is actually a discount on what you could have got him on the year before. Other big kicker when you're looking at the numbers 
he, between round, rounds five and 25, he only scored mm. one try. And it's very evident why that happened. As a fan that was watching very intently, he was trying to do way too much, which wasn't his fault. I wanted him to, but it just wasn't coming off. You know, he was having to be a playmaker. He had nobody putting him into holes. He was having to do absolutely everything. You know, the, the halves that we had weren't doing anything for him to put him away, to give him space. The, the playmaking he was having to do was too much. So it wasn't coming off as much as what it would normally if he had to do less. You know, it was it was very easy to see what was going on and why he only scored the one try. When you put someone like Kiri in the side, uh, let alone all the other guys that are coming back and, and put a back line in there that's um, our first choice back line, that's going to make a humongous difference to James Tedesco. Like I'm... I, and I'm I'm going to say outright, I, I expect him to be 95 again. I think that his 2020 is going to come in and he's going to be at 95. A lot of people that are detracting from starting with James Tedesco will say, well, you know, that's not going to be a Tom Trevojevic. You know, Tom Trevojevic had way more points than that. Yeah, he did. But, you know, it doesn't mean that Tom Trevojevic is going to do that again either. That was his peak. And James Tedesco is actually priced at a reasonable value point for me where he's going to do better than that. Compartmentalizing, I'm going to finish up on Luke before I pass to you. This is something I spoke about Billy last week with Billy last week. And it's something that I'm really big on. Compartmentalize parts of the season and think about what they will average. Because at the end, he might average 95 points. But there'll be a point in the season where James Tedesco might only average 75. So where's he picking up that extra average? For me, it's that round four to round nine. Okay. And that's what you don't want to miss because he could very well average 120 points or something ridiculous for a month in that period. Yeah, that wouldn't be surprising at all. And he could even do it for a longer period, maybe for the seven or eight weeks, he gets well over 120 points on an average. That's what you don't want to miss out on. And when you're looking at the draw and, you know, everyone being back for round one and healthy, I'd be targeting James Tedesco immediately at the start. And I've got him in my team. He's not going to be leaving my team. Certainly there's an argument that you can't have him and Turbo because of the price. Oh, I really think that Tedesco is going to be a really good buy for the start of this season. Yeah, I think that's all fair enough. He's in my team at the moment. I think he'll probably stay there. I think the big thing with Tedesco, he'll be good, and it's not. We can only debate degrees of good. Like he's not going to be bad. So, you know, if people think he was bad last year, then then you know that sort of says everything, isn't it? You're not really going to go wrong with plugging him in. But so the thing I, I sort of think you got to look at the fullback thing in a broad picture, there's two slots and most people want two good ones and there's only four or five you could possibly pick from realistically. So you've got to just run through them and compare them. And I mean, when you look through them, you go turbo is priced at $1.2 million and on an average of about 140 and has only ever averaged half that before, um, which is still quite good. Um, so, you know, that's a lot of money to spend over Teddy, who you think is going to do what he did last year or better or be thereabouts, um, or at the very least, you're getting such a huge discount on it. Even if Turbo was to drop like 30 points a game, you'd probably take Tedesco averaging 90, lose 20 points a week and get Turbo for so much cheaper, like the difference that would make. And then you look at your other fullback options and you go, well, Pappenhausen's a reasonable option in that he'll kick goals and he's relatively cheap because of the bench stuff. Then you've got Walsh can't play round one. He's a guy some people might look at as a pod. Luttrell should pick up the goal kicking, but doesn't play for the first two weeks of the season. So you can't pick him um, where you otherwise might look pretty hard. Um, and there's Ponga, who we've spoken about, who just is coming off 
the worst season he's had and is playing in a pretty bum average side. So, I mean, I don't think I'm missing anyone in terms of who you could start at full, unless you're you, we might look at Gutho, but <laughs> amongst, amongst, amongst normal people, that's about all the guys you could possibly pick. And to me, it's Teddy's got a very strong argument for being one of the best buys there. You might Housen, who's going to who's going to kick goals and play eighty minutes and not have those bench games, so that that's he'd be up there. But he got two slots, and you either got to spend a hell of a lot more to get Turbo, who's never really beaten Teddy before and has quite a way to fall. He, he could have the second best season ever and still lose like thirty points off his average. Um, and then you go Ponga and. Ponga's got his problems. Walsh isn't playing. Latrell would be great, but he isn't playing, you know? So I'd be locking him in and I'm going to for that reason. I went through all the candidates and that's forget. Sometimes don't look too hard at just Teddy. You got to look at who your other options are. And and I think he's the safest bet and the strongest bet for big points at value out of those options. Yeah. uh, I see a lot of value. And the other thing too, with his average is that it includes a game where he only played 34 minutes and he only scored 17 points in those 34 minutes and he got knocked out and he was out for the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah I remember because I captained, I captained <laughs> him and didn't, didn't, earn tur- didn't earn turbo. We got like 100 and something in about uh, 65 minutes. Yeah, I, I remember. <laughs> they're great memories. Um, yeah. Look, if you take that out, he's going to be averaging about 92 points a game anyway, you know, taking the injury-affected mm. game out where he played the 34 minutes. So, yeah, he had a good season. And I think if I'm benchmarking, you know, the other important thing when you're looking at him versus Trevojevic is Trevojevic can score a lot more points than him and still be less value. And that's where value per dollar comes in. You know, if you're Mm. getting 100 points out of Teddy for 760,000 and you're getting 120 points out of Tom Trevojevic for 1.25 million, Teddy is the better play there because that extra Mm. money difference is going to get you way more points than 20 that you can buy elsewhere in your team. And that's always yeah. really important. Now, if, if Trevojevic comes out and averages 140 plus points again, you know, that's that's going to be great and you're going to be laughing. But, you know, he he would have to top the best season of all time in a year where the NRL are changing rules and already sort of seemed to give way at the end of last year that they were going to clamp down on on how many points were going to be scored and, and how open it was and getting worried about the deficits and those sort of things. I don't think we're going to see the speed the same. I don't think we're going to see as many points scored the way that we were last year. And all of that doesn't bode well for Trevojevic. Uh, I'm not talking down Trevojevic, by the way. I think he's a great option. He's just going to cost you a lot of money. And I really think that the difference between Tedesco and Trevojevic is a lot more negligible than what people are saying. I sort of I sort of think that James Tedesco is being a little bit disrespected um, because he's a very, very good fullback option in his own right. And if you're going to have Turbo, um, I almost, even though it's way too much money to spend, I almost think you have to just put Teddy in the second spot because outside of Turbo, I think that Tedesco is the best point scorer at fullback. You know, I don't think that there's anyone else. As much as I like Pappenhausen and even some of these other options, I don't think they're going to score what Teddy's going to. And I don't think any of them have the draw of around four to nine that Tedesco has. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I, I've got him in and I, I wouldn't talk anyone out of it. And I, I think he's the best, the safest fullback to go to average big and be value. Um, I think Turbo would have to do incredibly to be value. The others, I, Puppenhausen could be value. Um, Tedesco will be, if he has a bad season by his standards, he'll still average about where he's at. So, you know. 
I can't talk up enough how much yeah how much of a difference Kiri is going to make mm. to that team um, and, and to James Tedesco yeah, for as sure. well. Let's move along because I feel like I've defended <laughs> Tedesco's honour enough. Uh, I think it's defended. I think you know he's back on the top. He's got the mantle where he belongs. Let's talk about Angus Crichton, uh, another guy that was by some standards a little bit disappointing last year, uh, but not much off his 2020 form. So in 2020. Angus Crichton averaged 76 points a game. He only dropped a point and averaged 75 in 2021. But I think that the big deal was that he only averaged about 70 minutes in 2020 because he had some games off the bench and so forth. And we expected some bigger things in 2021 and he didn't quite deliver on them. But again, I I think it was really hard for him. So his base was down almost 10% year on year, which is hard. Um, But one ton in 18 games and he had two in only 13 games in 2020. Certainly, I think that he suffered because of that spine pretty big. Uh, he was certainly more of an attacking weapon, you know, the years before uh, with the spine intact than what he was last year. And I think that you could visibly see him struggle a little bit at times. Only times, only two sub-50 scores, which is good. And 62% of the time, he was 60-plus. So, you know, not a bad season by any stretch. He still averaged 75 points a game. He's still a premium back row option for me, Luke. And when you're having a look at price tags, he's going to be priced that way. He's 653000 So he's going to be expensive. But for me, he's one of the top few back rowers to consider if you're going to spend that money. He is going to have the spine back. I think it's going to make a world of difference to have that spine intact uh, with Kiri coming back and Sam Walker hopefully healthy as well and, and Tedesco firing. He's going to be playing some really weak edges from round four to nine, which is going to be excellent for Crichton. Um, even if you know he's he's not playing well towards the end of that, or you're not loving him, you can get rid of him at Origin time and buy him back later, or not buy him back later. But certainly that first half of the season, it's a good time to own him. So I'm definitely considering him. Everyone should. He's got a 50 base. If you look at his base base attack, he's very rarely not going to give you 60 plus as it is, and he's got the added upside of the attack. And I think that it's a career year for him. I'm going to say that he's going to be better than his 76 points a game in 2020. Uh, he might even get towards, you know, the 79-point mark, I'd probably guess that. I think it's going to be a good year for Angus Crichton. He does still need to sign a contract for next year. This is technically his uh, final year of his contract as well, so that's another thing. Uh, so, Luke, I mean, where do you stand with Angus? At the moment, I've got him in my team, um, but, you know, there's obviously a lot of premium options and he, he's very expensive at 653000 Yeah, I love Angus. He's a really solid, reliable year-to-year gun in that position. And that's really hard to find. A lot of people fall off. And you have these seasons where guys that you think are going to go well just fall off. Um, Gerbo's one over the last year. You just could pick him at the start of a year and think he's set and forget, and then he just disappeared. And we've had guys do that to us a bit. Angus is one that's pretty reliably just always there. He's always in the top few. And if he has a bad year, he's like the fifth best instead of being the second best sort of thing. Like he's always up there about... And I really value that, that um, I like to have a couple of gun back rowers locked in that have a high ceiling and won't let me down. And I feel like he'll do that and I can stick with him all year without getting hurt. Um, I'll I'll most likely start him. I'll most likely want to. And to be honest, I didn't see all the premiums that you're seeing. I went through there and I I didn't know who to spend my big money on. I knew I needed a couple. I want at least two, maybe three really good second rowers, probably two. And I honestly, like I found it hard to, when I was looking for a list, ones that I trust, I, I couldn't find five that I really trusted to then pick between. It was just, I reckon Angus is right up the top of the list. There's other guys they get, you know, Murray gets his minutes fiddled with all the time. You never know what 
going to happen. He's got a new coach now, so you want to see whether that means he plays 50 or 80. You just never know. You don't need to watch on that. And some of the others, you know, Fafita started getting benched and all that kind of thing. Was I feel like Angus will play 80 minutes on the edge and, and give you a good score week after week. And I'm, I like that a lot. I think everyone should look at him and if you need someone that's going to do what they what their average said they're going to do, he's the one. Yeah, I, I certainly think that Angus Fafita... And Cam Murray are the sort of benchmarks that people are looking mm. at. Um, there's certainly some other ones as well that uh, I guess are going to be a little bit undervalued and also some other ones that are probably dual position that people are looking at in the second row. Isaiah Papali from Parramatta would be the one, being that he was the number one uh, front row forward mm. option. And yep. he's, I think, the number two or three second row forward option for last year as well. So there's a few, mm. a few of those big guns, but Angus is very reliable. I, I think that the part that he's not reliable on, and it is worth mentioning, is his judiciary record isn't great now. So he missed those games last True. year yeah. um, multiple times. Mm. And look, it was, it coming from Roosters fan, absolute rubbish, some of those charges. Um, and there was, you know, a crusher tackle, which was like, whatever. It could have been 50 other tackles in the last two games. But, you know, nonetheless, he's been charged with those offences. And he missed games on three, uh, sorry, four separate occasions. Um, and missing the singles isn't too bad, but it's a bit of a pain. So he missed the one game in round two. He missed the one game in round 17, uh, a couple of weeks from round 12, although they had the buy. But then he missed a, a big chunk at the end, which really hurt a lot of teams that had no trades, including me. Missed round 22, 23, and 24. Now, his judiciary record isn't great. The last two years as well, he's only played 18 or 13 games. So that's the caveat with him. But in saying that, you would hope mm. that he's not going to get pinned and suspended to start the season. Um, generally, you know, you get a little bit of leeway with some of that stuff at the start maybe. So, yeah, but I agree with you. I think that he's up there. I think that everybody should be considering him. Uh, and I'm at the moment got him in my side and I'm pretty confident he's going to be in for a career year. Let's move on to some of the other options for the Roosters because there is a lot. Let's talk about rising guns. Uh, we're going to talk about Collins. Collins is an interesting one. Uh, he's supposedly going to be fit for the year. He came into last year, he looked a lot better than what I've ever given him credit for. You know, he averaged 59 points a game last year in 46 minutes. His minutes were up from 39, so he gained an extra seven minutes a game. His points were up an extra 13. Uh, PPM has always been good, but up to 1.27 last year in the six games that he played. Really important to note, too, um, when it started, when he started the season, the first two weeks really gave away what Robinson was hoping for him. He was the starting number eight, which I was a little surprised about. And he played 62 and 51 minutes the first two weeks. So that was Robbo's plan. He was going to play between sort of 51 and 62 minutes, and that was kind of the range. And and for that, you know, he was averaging about 68 points. And then in round three, he got hurt, and he went off and he was out for a few weeks. And when he came back, he was coming in off the bench initially, and he was playing lower minutes for those three games, where he played 37, 41, and, and 44 minutes. So you can almost discount those three last games because you know, it wasn't the plan. It wasn't his intended rotation. If he is completely healthy and back at full training and, and Robbo's happy with him, you would expect that he's going to be a starting prop because that was what Robbo wanted to do last year. If that's the case, he's probably going to get anywhere from sort of five to 10 minutes extra a game. Uh, and his you know, score is going to be pretty decent for a front row forward. We're just a little bit unlucky that he scored so well last year or that he played so many games because it's not like we got a massive discount on him. But he did show some promise. 462000 isn't a huge amount. 
Uh, and I, he definitely warrants a mention at least. And he is someone that looks like he has the potential to be a 65-plus type of gun, given the opportunity. Obviously, coming back from an ACL, though, Luke, you know, it's it's hard to predict what, what way that's going to go. Yeah, that's probably the thing that ends it for me. I'm, I'm not picking a front rower coming off an ACL who has several other good front rowers in the team. Um, they've got other options there to fill minutes. And, yeah, I, I just... I'd just watch him. You'll be able to get him for an okay price later if he's killing it, but I, I wouldn't be plopping someone straight in off an ACL um, done last year. It's wait and see for me. Yeah, I think it'll be a gun season. I think he's definitely going 60-plus this year and it'll be a career year, but you can't do it for round one. But I do think that at some point during the season, he's going to become relevant. I'm sure he'll be in the Queensland side, so it's probably going to kill him for that round 13 buy, but certainly that mid-season mark, he could become really relevant for people to have a look at. Uh, in draft, uh, coming off an ACL and, and being a guy that hasn't really busted out, he's going to be hugely undervalued, I would imagine, in some drafts. i definitely target him in those. Um, very talented guy. But round one, yeah, it's going to be hard. I am going to take a little bit of umbrage with what you said, though. I appreciate you saying that we've got a lot of good front rowers. We do, but there's a few things happening with those minutes. So, I mean, I think Robinson's wanted to rest Jared quite a bit the last couple of years, and last year we just couldn't. And the plan was that we were going to. Uh, Taki Aho just keeps ending up on the outer and he's now going to be out of the NRL. This is his final year. He could easily come off the bench and play limited minutes now because it seems like, you know, the Roosters have all but given up on him and he's going to be, you know, an important cog in the machine, but we're certainly not going to be building around him. So, I mean, those are the two established props. Um, the other guys are really quite, quite young and coming through to the point that maybe not even NRL already, even though they're playing like Fletcher Baker. So, yeah, I, I think that he might actually be the biggest minute prop if everyone was healthy, to be honest. Yeah, look, it could end up that way. I, I just, yeah, again, from that might end up playing out later in the year. So definite watch. I just wouldn't plug him in for round one off the ACL. If he comes out and plays those minutes, then I get a free look and, and, and you know, trade some, tr- buy a more expensive prop and trade him down to him kind of thing. Um, at round three, if he's looking the goods, I just I'm just uncomfortable with people in ACL, so I just don't want him in my team straight up. Yeah, but I agree. Over the year, that could easily happen. He's a definite watch for later on. Yep, uh, I agree. Um, Big balls pod. It, it's going to be interesting because I, I've said this guy many times, and a lot of people are going to be bored that listen to the podcast. So, <laughs> new listeners, you're not going to be bored. It's going to be the first time you hear me say Daniel Tupo. So. Daniel Tupo had a, a down year and I'm going to say was massively affected by the spine. You know, he's a winger and he's a winger that was getting great ball, but also finishing really well. And some of the balls he was being thrown were atrocious. Uh, some of the situations he'll put in were not great. Um, he did his best too. So he ended up scoring 59 points a game in 2021. 2020, he was 71 points a game. Obviously struggled without Kiri there, without that spine intact. Um, when you're having a look at him, his base was down one, but he was also down, you know, half a dozen base attacks. So you probably got seven or eight points there that really should normally be there just in his base base attack. So he actually scored 14 tries in 24 games last year. A lot of people would say, well, well, you know, it didn't really affect him much at all. In 2020, he scored 11 tries in 13 games. So you can see the impact of the spine right there. Uh, you know, he's a noted try scorer. He's going to have a really high strike rate. And he didn't quite have it last year. He had a few droughts as the Roosters did in scoring. You know, I, I remember vividly watching them against some bottom-rung sides and they really didn't put on as many points as what you would have hoped for and were just sort of screeching out these wins. So definitely Tupo was affected by that. 
He's still a guy, though, that had 32 raw base, which is still really good. He's now 12 points under price from what he did in 2020. I believe that he can get more towards what he did in 2020 than what he did in 2021. You know, he's definitely going to be a mid-60s-plus guy, and he's definitely going to be a guy that I would like to own for that round four to nine run, Luke, that the Roosters have got. The big problem is that he's still priced on 59, right? So he's not going to be cheap. I'd much rather he was priced a bit cheaper, but 518000 is Daniel Tupo. But if I think everybody's going to basically get like one minimum one strike center wing that they're going to spend 500 odd K on. Um, if you're going to, I am going to go out on a limb and say um, Daniel Tupo could very easily, you know, outscore the more fancy Tony Staggs, um, some of these other more fancy 450 to 500 K guys. Tupo over four to nine could absolutely kill those guys. And he's the type of guy that can put up 90 to 120 points pretty easily in the Roosters' big wins, getting his doubles and so forth. And that spine is really going to help him. So I've always liked Tupo's base. You know, I've, I've said last year on a podcast, he's almost like a Brian Tyo light, where, you know, he takes a lot of runs, has good tackle breaks, but not as many. But he also has probably more offloads than a Tyo does too. His work rate's great. And then he's got all the tries, which he's actually got on Tyo. He scores more than him. So... I like Tupo's prospects for this year. He will be 2% or less owned. He will be an ultra, ultra pod. And he's never going to really let you down, Luke. And that's what I like about him. He doesn't really have terrible scores. Mm. If you think the Roosters are going to score points, round four to nine, Toops could be on fire. And he probably won't make the Origin team because he keeps getting underrated, even though he played well in Origin, I thought, at times. <laughs> and then he's going to be playing round 13 as well. So, I mean, it's, there's a lot of boxes to tick for Tupo. And I don't think anyone's going to believe me about him. No, the, the buyer's a good kicker. Look, he's a solid option. He's a bit expensive for me to start round one because he's just a bit in between. He very rarely finishes at the very top of the tree with the centre wingers, So, and he's not quite cheap enough. Like I, you know, I either want someone who's going to be in the top four for the year or he's going to you know, be cheap, and he's sort of not quite either. But he's a very good player, and it, it will help. But one thing, who's going to play centre? Is, is Momorowski going to play centre inside him? Yeah, I think Momorowski will get the centre spot. Well, that will severely uh, dampen my keenness because um, Momorowski has absolute glue hands and um, a terrible tendency to step back in and not, not much ability to set his winger up. He's good at some things in football, but putting his winger over for a try is not one of them. Um, that that would put me off quite quite a bit. Um, but otherwise, look, uh, he, he'll be solid. He always is. Uh, he's just He's just not quite... I just sometimes don't see the super big scores with him. And I, I guess he's I, not for me for round one, but I wouldn't begrudge anyone doing it or tell him to get him out because he's always solid and he always, he always sort of looks after you when you get him in. He never does a particularly bad job. Yeah, he still had the three tons last year. And it is a really valid point that you mm. make with Momorowski. Um, I guess the slight counter, and it's not a complete counter because I agree with it to, to an extent. Momorowski and a Roosters side. Trent Robbins is pretty big on the on the, the structures and the coaching and how he wants things to play out. And I don't I think that he'll want that ball going out. Um, just the way that they play, I think it's a bit different to Penrith. But along with that, a lot of the money balls for him are cutouts. He gets a lot of cutouts from from Tedesco. You know, he gets a huge mm, amount of cutouts true. from Tedesco. That's a, a massive money ball for them. And then the, the kicks as well, which they don't target him as much the last couple of years as what they used to, but certainly he gets the kicks out to him as well. So I think that he's got a lot of variety there where he doesn't really get a lot of his tries off his centre, although some of them might be affected because of that. So it is a valid point. I'm considering him. Um, I'd really like him. But like Luke said, 
you know, if you're only going to have one guy that's sort of expensive, it's, it's a bit hard at 518k to fit him in. But he's he's in my side at the moment. I'll give that away straight away just because of that draw and because I've got two guys that are around 500k and I'm just going to try and spend on two of them in center wing and see how that goes. I, I definitely think he's more of an option than what he will be. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes really well around four to nine. He's a huge pod option as well if you want to build up your center wing with some pods. Uh, let's move along to a couple of other pods. And one of those guys is going to be Kiri that we spoke about already. Now, I'm going to say he's going to be a pod, but he's actually getting a lot of groundswell where a lot of people are looking at him more than normal, which I kind of find a bit puzzling. Um, but then I guess the price point makes it less puzzling. So the side of me that finds it weird is that Kiri's never really looked at it all in Supercoach, um, and for good reason. You know, he's not particularly a huge scorer. 59 to 61's been his range up until 2021 with limited games, and that's kind of him. So it makes sense to not look at him too much for your halves. Having said that, this year, a fair few people are looking at him, and he's coming off a very serious injury, not having played much football at all, only three games last year before he went down for, and missed from round four onwards. So you would think that it's not the time to be putting Kiri in your team, but a lot of people are looking at it. And I guess, Luke, it comes down to the fact that, you know, we spoke earlier about how there isn't isn't a lot of options in the halves past the the top guys. And Luke Kiri pops up at 528,000 as a dual 5'8 halfback. So he can play in your 5'8 spot or your halfback spot. And they do have that money draw from round four to nine. So I kind of understand why people are looking at it. Um, I looked at it a bit as well. I do think it's an option based on his numbers. But one thing that I will throw at people is even when he was fit before, you can go through like 2020 and have a look at his games. And it was really hard to tell when he was going to go well. So unlike someone like Tupo, who's always going to get his tries in those roosters routes, someone like Kiri isn't necessarily always going to score massively in the big roosters games. It's really hard to tell. So like, for example, against the Bulldogs early last season, people would have thought that he would have had a massive game. Um, and in fact, he really didn't. So yeah, when you're looking at 2020, you know, he, he had an 18-point score against the Bulldogs, you know, and that was at the start of the season when the Roosters had a good draw. So it's really hard to tell it with someone like Cleary, um, what, with someone like Kiri, what he's going to score. Luke, obviously pretty, pretty cheap, 528,000, but coming off a serious injury, I've said many times to a few people that I've chatted to, I was hoping that Kiri was going to get a discount and be down around the 400 to 425k mark. That's what I was hoping for, at which point I would have been pretty interested. 528,000, it seems like quite a bit from a guy coming off an ACL as good as Kiri is. Yeah, uh, um, you know, if you're going to come on podcast, you've got to have a view. So feel free to throw this back at me, anyone who's listening. But that's just a giant mistake. I don't know why anyone's looking at him. I, I really don't. Like, he's priced at his career average. I know he's getting a discount from last year, but he's getting a discount from it's last average, year yeah. on an inflated average that he's never maintained. He, he's, he's average. If you go and look at what he's priced at, he's priced at the same points average that he has averaged every season for the last few years, bar the one where he only played a couple of games. So... He's priced where he's always priced and it's never been good enough. And he's priced at a price that he's always maintained when he wasn't coming back from an ACL injury. So I wouldn't be surprised if he averages less than that for the first month. Um, he's an excellent player. So he may well come back and make a bit of a statement and come out really hard and set a few point, uh, tries up early and, and people will be throwing it in my face. But I don't think it'll last. And I also, I, I would be surprised if that's the case because he's a real running player. When I think of Luke Keery, I think of... Uh, 
really much of a running player. He can ball play, but it comes off the back of his pace and he's, he's the way he takes off on short sides and all of these sorts of things. And that'll take some time with an ACL. Guys talk about taking a year to get yeah. back to their best and he'll, he'll be good for the Roosters in plenty of ways, but I don't necessarily see him coming in and playing that freewheeling football he can in his running game straight off the bat. And if he does play at his best, his best has never been super coach good enough. In fact, it's always, it's fallen where his average is now. So I, I just don't see it. I think it's a, a bad call and a bad buy. And um, we're on a podcast, so I'll just <laughs> put that out there and not hedge. No. <laughs> if I'm wrong. Uh, I appreciate the honesty. I, I don't, I don't think it's as terrible as what you think it is, but I definitely don't think that it's um, – I don't think it's an option that I would recommend, and that's putting it nicely. Uh, a couple of other things that I'll mention as um, problems for Kiri. Um, I agree, Luke, with your sentiment on how he runs and stuff. He's he's a lot more valuable to super coach from what he can create for other people that he doesn't get points for than what he is for actual points that he puts on the board. He will help the other guys around him for super coach more than what he'll help himself if that makes sense. So certainly, you know, I've said many times already on this podcast, Tedesco, um, some of those backs, they're all going to benefit, even the edges, the edge forwards, they're going to benefit from Kiri being there. But it's not going to directly result in Kiri getting bulk points from that either. Other thing too is that Robinson is mm. a coach that is notoriously uh, <laughs> notoriously gentle with his players. He'll put some of them in cotton wool and stuff and he'll certainly do a rotation policy and rest guys and stuff. And he's done that more and more. Someone like Kiri, you know, I could very much see a month into the season uh, getting, you know, a 50-minute sub off or something like that because Connor Watson's on the bench now. And Connor Watson can easily go into the halves and partner Sam Walker and, and away you go. Uh, maybe that, maybe he'll put Hutchison on the bench one week and all of a sudden Hutchison comes in and plays 30 minutes as a six. You know, it's, I can see Robinson do that a couple of times and it will probably happen right when that run hits as well around four to nine where that's going to hit. And then you've also got Kiri possibly playing Origin as well. So he's not going to play that buy either. He's just not priced cheap enough to have a pun on him or, or to make money out of or to get value for your points. So, yeah, he's a no-go for me. I understand why people look at him as far as the price point and because the halves are so difficult, but he, he's priced way too high. So Tilly Tupanua, you mentioned a bit earlier. I was really big on him last year. I'm not going to apologise about it. You know, I'm not going to apologise about Satili because... I think there was a lot of things that didn't work in his favour. For a young guy to be in that side with all those injuries, I think it was really tough on him. Um, and some of those young guys, you know, you could see him getting pretty tested. Something to consider is that he had, you know, four games that were 13 minutes, 48 minutes, 66 minutes and 67 minutes. And he had three games that he ended up playing at centre either for part of a game or an entire game. Yeah, you know, there's, there's like a third of his games or more were affected by playing in the back line and catching a cold or playing very low minutes. He did score a lot of tries last year, but that's kind of what we're banking on as well with him, Luke. Um, you know, he scored a dozen tries, but he relies on those as an edge. His, his base was terrible. You know, he was a guy that's that was going to always rely on ta- attack, and I feel like they hit it in a year where it was harder to hit it because of the right. side around him. Uh, and he was also shifted around in those minutes and stuff. So I don't think it was that disappointing. Certainly around four to nine, I could see him going over for three or four tries during that stretch, uh, benefiting from that spine. So so Tupanua averaged 55 points a game still in his 73 minutes, despite those lower minute games. Uh, I still think that he's probably going to go up from there. Um, I reckon that he's probably a good five points better this year. That's obviously not going to be enough value, Luke, to be able to look at getting on him. 
but certainly getting towards that buy, you know, if he gets a HIA or an injury game or something like that where he can drop in price a little bit, uh, I'd be targeting him for maybe a round 13 number and a guy that you can play for a few weeks. And certainly it could be a career year for him with that spine back intact. Yeah, he's just not quite cheap enough to start with, but I really like him. And if he could lose some value or not go up too much and he could, yeah, he'll come right into buy considerations for sure for that first one. Especially because the Roosters should have good, should still have Walker and maybe Kiri and everyone. I could see him having some big days, so I'd keep an eye on him. Yeah, and his base is atrocious. Like, there's no getting around that. But a lot of edges don't have great base. His is atrocious. He needs to work on that, get better than 34 points in pace. But I reckon that'll go up as well this year. Um, so real life, can't wait to see him. Um, super coach, going to wait till towards the buy and try and pick him up for some value, maybe for a number. Not round one material, but Momorowski. Talking about big balls pods, uh, Momorowski could be round one material depending on the size of your of your big balls, Luke. He's mm-hmm. coming over from Penrith. He likes to run the ball, like you said, but I would say that he's probably going to be our goal kicker. Uh, certainly something that we've struggled with for a few years. I'd be very, very surprised if Momorowski isn't kicking goals if he's starting at centre. I've got him pegged as starting at centre at the moment. That's my predicted team, and I've got him pegged as kicking goals. So that should, in a rooster side... Maybe it gives him an extra 14 points a game or something like that on his average. You know, he averaged 55 points a game in 2021. If that does happen, all of a sudden that's a 70-point average just with the goal kicking. So, I, you know, that all of a sudden looks at a lot of value. He's one of those guys that's in that sort of 400 to 500 range that we spoke about, 486,000. He's a guy that not many people are going to look at, I'll say, under 2% ownership again, maybe 3% because of the goal kicking. Uh, but not many people are going to own him. He certainly doing, didn't do a lot last year, Luke, in Penrith. Um, he didn't score very many tries. He, he had a lot of games that were kind of in that sort of 40 to 65 range. His biggest score was 89. Only three scores out of his 15 games were sort of that 75-plus region. I think the Roosters that he might actually have a shot with the goal kicking, though, to be a bit relevant. I'm not interested. I've watched him play football, and this is he does not pass the eye test. At all, um, Omarowski. Um, he he doesn't he does doesn't <laughs> he doesn't do things that are good. Like I don't know how else to say it. I watch him play, and I'm always like, why are people so big on Omarowski? I, I can't see it. He's a real plotter out in the centres for mine. Um, and uh, Penrith were the best team in the comp, well, the equal best team in the competition all season. You could put an argument for Melbourne for a lot of it. And I mean, if you can't make yourself relevant in that side. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know what, what you need to, to come good. He's, I, I just don't see it. I think, you know, you talked about cutout balls to Tupu and all that. So I think a lot of set plays will cut him out. Um, I don't think he makes anything for himself. Um, you know, Latrell Mitchell playing in that centre spot was a keeper, but I haven't seen much from anyone else playing there, to be honest. I, I don't... The goal kicking is one I hadn't thought of. If he kicks goals, I suppose we have to look at how he goes, but I, I just wouldn't go anywhere near him for round one. You want people in the centres that score a lot of tries, that have a good base, but who throw people off him and offload and set up wingers. And out. He just doesn't do that. He makes his tackles relatively well, and he runs the ball... You know, he's sort of a modern-day Paul McGregor. He just carts the ball up relatively slowly, but is a big guy, and he, he makes his tackles. And you need those guys in first grade, but they, they don't excite me, and they don't excite shouldn't excite super coaches a lot. Is it controversial for me to say that I think the Roosters are going to score more points than Penrith in 2022? Um, 
Well, not necessarily, but I'd, I'd be controversial if you think Paul Momorowski's going to score most <laughs> of them. <laughs> well, look, I think I think that uh, look, if Paul Momorowski doesn't have goal kicking, you don't look at him. Okay, I, I think that's really what it comes down to. But goal kicking can easily be worth fourteen points a game to him, and that means that if he just did what he did last year, he's all of a sudden getting towards a seventy average. You know, which in centre wing for four hundred eighty-five thousand is pretty big. And he is going to play around 13 too. And he's probably going to be solid enough and have that good run at least where if he is going to go better in a third of the season than in the other pocket, it's going to be that round four to nine run that I think that he'll go pretty well. And then round 13 is around the corner for the buyer. So the, the goal kicking just alone, if he just does what he did last year, even if I agree with everything you said, Luke, and he's not a very good player and he's just a plotter and he's going to do what he did last year, you just tap the goal kicking on and all of a sudden you've got a bit of value there. And that's kind of how I'm looking at him as a pod. Yeah, fair enough. I, I don't really see it. I'll, I'll, I'll watch him. I, I hadn't thought of the goal kicking, so I'll have to keep an eye on that and see how that goes. But I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it with him. I, I can't see him being a top tier centre winger this year. Uh, he, he won't be top tier. I agree with that. Um, he's, he might be an option for a bit of a cheaper price than some others to start with initially and and try and get some good games in on a run. Um, mm. When we're having a look at some options in the halves that we spoke about earlier. I've been surprised that a couple of people have thrown up Sam Walker as a pod option. I kind of understand why he's he's shown a lot of promise. He's shown a lot of talent. Um, he also showed a lot of low scores that he could hit as well. Um, so it's going to be interesting what we see from young Sam Walker this year. I was pretty impressed with him. He scored 62 points a game. That was really good, but he also set out a few games as well. He had some really big scores, and I think that that's what people get enamoured with. You know, he scored 163 points in one game, 125 in another, 120 for his three tons. The 163 especially was really eye-popping, um, but that had goal kicking in it, and he did goal kick some of the time, which I don't think he's going to be doing uh, for any of the games this year unless we have multiple injuries. So certainly you can take that out of it. His base is a paltry 16 points per game. He's going to get bulk attack to get his score up. That's what he's going to need. Shown a lot of promise, Luke. Uh, only 19 years old, so certainly could be a lot better for last year's run. I think the spine will definitely help take the pressure off him as well. Uh, I think it's crazy even to look at him as a pod, though. He's 545,000, so he's not even someone who you can say, oh, he's only 400K. It's not even a big balls pod for him. I think it's just a crazy one. Um, but certainly, you know, in their purple patch or after the first month of footy when he's a bit acclimatised to the team and the spine and everything, I think that he could go well, uh, but I wouldn't be looking at buying him for around one at all. No, no, that's a hard pass. He's a young kid and he did some good things and he did some not so good things and he'll defer to Kiri a lot more than he had to last year as well. So if they're going to have a big game, it won't necessarily be him. He may still take a bit of a backseat in that work while Kiri does a fair bit more. It's not going to be his team. He's going to be a cog in the team and you want, you want, your Harbs for Supercoach to own the side, very much so. You know, look at Cleary and, and, and Luai last year. It was obvious which one of them was taking control of the show and it really hurts the other one, the Supercoach, um, even if it works well in real life. And it's going to be Cleary's team, not Walker's. I, I, yeah, I don't have a heap to say on it other than I just think it's fairly obviously not that good of an idea to, to start him. You know, if someone's got a counter-argument, I'm happy to hear it. I think because he averaged 60s, mm. I think because he averaged 60s, like people look at him like he's, you know... And he'll improve with age or something. Yeah, I guess. I I just don't... Yeah, I would have thought the 
Kiri coming Kiri coming back's not a good thing for him. It's good for everyone else, but it's not good for your halves partner in terms of setting up tries and that sort of thing. Uh, it might be in real life, but not for actually setting up tries and getting your hands all over the ball. He, he'll become the second option if he's playing there. He's still a young kid. Robbo could still want to. Robbo's got a really pretty good history of um, making players accountable, and he's you know he's kicked out. He's dropped Latrell before. He's dropped other guys. He could easily if Walker isn't showing up too well, he could easily rest him for Lamb or, uh, or Hudson. Not even rest him, but drop him for a few games to make a statement or something. He's done that to plenty of players before. So, uh, you know, if he comes out of the blocks a bit slow, it could go the other way and he could just let him know he's not bigger than the team and pop him in reserve grade for missing his tackles. He didn't have that option last year, basically. I know they tried to, but not, not to properly make that statement because they had no players left. But he could easily, now that he's got his troops back, not allow him to miss the tackles he missed last year, which were pretty average, um, to be honest. So if he does that again, he could sit him back for a week or two and hurt you. I just don't, no, I don't see it for round one at all. If he starts going really well, we'll have a look, but no. Nah. Yeah. He, I, I look, I, I could see, I can definitely see him going really well and I can definitely see him being a yeah. gun of the future that people want to consider. He's a good player. Yeah. He's a good player, a good kid, but yeah, I just, I, I'm not in my halfback spot as my starting halfback for round one. No, not for round one. When we're having a look at a controversial chat on one of their players, I think the controversial chat is going to be on a guy that had a career super coach year last year. And from a real life perspective, I think he had the best year that he's had as well. And that was Joseph Manu. A lot of people sort of looked at him when he was cheap last year. I talked him up on the podcast with Billy. We both really liked him. I think Billy bought him. I didn't. Wilfred certainly got on him. Um, and he had a really good run of games because, you know, he was playing out of position a lot. Certainly when he didn't play centre, he did really well. So he was scoring bulk points when he was one, when he was six, even when he was on the wing. You know, he had two games where he started on the wing last year and he scored 108 and 97 points. Uh, he went on a run of scoring five tries in a row, which is the first time in his career for five weeks in a row. All of it culminated in a gun average of 62 points a game. Every single year for the last five years, his average has gone up. He's gone 41, 44, 49, 56, and 62. So certainly I understand, you know, he had a very good year last year um, and he ended up being quite a good buyer in the middle of the season. So I understand why people are looking at him. And with the trajectory as well and a raw base of 32, which his base base attack last year was actually better than Tupo's, who is very good and normally the top base base attack guy in that side outside of sort of Tedesco and the outside backs. Yeah, that's Manu had a really good season. There is two trains of thought here, Luke. You know, one of them for the people that are positive about Joey Manu is that he's improved every year. Last year was a real breakout again. You know, he's going to continue on that trend and, you know, he's probably going to do a, a 66, 68 point average. And, you know, that's going to be on trend with what he's done the last five years. They've got that purple patch run. He's going to kill it over that period as well. The other argument is he's 540,000, which is nowhere near as cheap as he's ever been. You know, it's six points more priced than what he was last year coming in when he was overpriced, it looked like. And he does his best work outside of centre. And he did get given quite a roaming role last year, even at centre, which helped him. But with a full-strength rooster side, he's not really going to be playing out of position as much. He's certainly not going to be roaming as much and he's not going to have as much opportunity to try and do some things as what he did last year. And that's kind of my take on it. I think he's going to have a solid year. Um, certainly, you know, he might beat 2020 again. Maybe that's a 58 type of average, but I don't think that you're going to get much better than what you're going to be paying for. And if you're paying 540000 for Joey Manu, 
uh, I think it's probably you know much better options that you can look at for round one. Yeah, I, I don't see it with Manu. Um, you know, his best scores, as you say, are always when he's not playing the position that he's inevitably going to spend most of the time playing. So, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see it with him. He's one of those guys, but every year people talk him up because he's good in real life. Um, but I don't, I don't think he's really going to be a super coach option unless he ever moves position or club to move position. <laughs> Uh, he's never moving club. He's going to be a rooster for life, mate. So that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, well, unless, uh, yeah, well, unless, well, until we see him in another position, I, I just every year go, uh, no, I just don't want to pick when he's going to have a good time and a, or drop back off. Well, I I agree, but I will say, I think even for draft, that he's going to be overdrafted. Um, so even for draft, mm. I don't actually think he's going to end up being a much of a value option. But where he's going to be value is when you get towards that round 13 buy. So the risk is playing that first buy. He's going to be pretty good. Like we said, with guys like Satili Tupanua, maybe an option if he gets cheap. Um, Joey Manu will probably be cheapish by then, but certainly an option for then. And he he might very well play fullback while Tedesco's there and Tedesco might end up resting and he might end up in the halves for some games in that middle period. So that's going to be when you can have a look at Joey Manu. Certainly don't do it for round one. I highly recommend against it and looking at some other options. Uh, when we're talking about mistakes that you can make for round one, I've talked about this guy previous years, and I'm going to talk about him again. Victor Radley. Now, I, again, I don't want to sound like this is indicative of there's heaps of teams with Victor Radley, but just once again the other day I saw a team posted in one of the one of the Facebook forums and it had Victor Radley in there. And I just, I, I rolled my eyes at home when I saw it because it's just every single year it's the same thing. You know, he's, he's averaged 50, 50, 52 points the last three years in a row. And he's played 14 and seven games the last two years too. He's got a real issue with the judiciary, which is an understatement. He's also got a real issue with base stats for a guy that plays in the middle. He's only got 40 in raw base. And his minutes per game last year were actually really high at 62. And that was out of necessity. You know, the year before I argued he's not going to get very many minutes. That's the issue. And he only played 51. We've now got Connor Watson who is going to go in and play 13. And there is no way that, you know, you're going to get high, high minutes out of Victor Radley. You know, he's he's really a, a 50 to 60 minute top sort of player. And I'd probably peg him at sort of between 50 and 55 minutes a game. And that's not going to be great for you. It's not going to be value. And really, he has only ever been super coach relevant for very small periods. Um, last year, certainly, he had a period where, he went reasonable to start the year. He was out for the first three rounds of the season. And then he scored uh, between 62 and, and 67 minutes a game. Um, and that was a pretty good range of, of playing to start his year. But his scores were 51, 43, 31 and 41. You know, he wasn't even scoring well for playing 60-odd minutes across the first month. So there isn't really any reason normally to go for Victor for a round one. Uh, especially now that Connor Watson's there, there isn't really any reason at all. Connor Watson needs to get minutes and he's going to get some at 13. So if Radley wasn't a mistake before, which he was, he's an even bigger mistake this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I I don't know why we have to have this conversation every year. People just stop picking him in your sides at the start of the year and then we will (laughs) no longer need to raise this on podcasts. It was Kieran Foran for a long time, back in his first Manly days. Everyone would go every year, you get young players coming on going, oh, Kieran Foran's a really good player and they're 
he's cheap and he'd pop him in your team. Cooper Cronk for a while was one as well. And the modern one is Victor Radley. It's every year people just know Victor Radley and they know he's good at football. So they just think that's cheap for Victor. And it's not because it's not real life. It's super coach and he's not good at it. <laughs> and th- there's just nothing that says that it's going to nah. be good. Like, and, and this is the thing, like you can look at someone like, even though Luke disagrees with me on someone like Paul Momorowski, you can just look at the mathematics of it and say, look, I, we all think that Paul Momorowski is not very good at football, but if he's scoring 55 points a game and you add an extra 14, that's quite good. And there's no two ways about that. He might still not play very well, but he's going to score more points. With Victor Radley, all the mathematics in the world that you can pull out, even the algebra you haven't used since year 12 HSC, is not going to say in any way, shape or form that Victor Radley is going to be a good purchase. So I don't get it. None of the math supports it. None of the anything supports it. The Roosters just got a guy in Connor Watson that's going to come off the bench and play there. And he's a very similar play to what Radley is as well. And Radley gets suspended a lot. And to be honest, like, you know, I, I don't know where that's going to go because I'm pretty worried that as a Roosters fan, Radley's going to cop an eight-week suspension very quickly because of his record. And it's going to be some stupid charge that's going to be worthy of one to two weeks and he's going to sit on the sideline for eight weeks because it's Victor Radley. It could happen pretty easily. Well, it will probably. But let's move on. Um, that's when Connor Watson will become relevant. But um, Let's look at the mids and cheapies to finish up on for the Sydney Roosters. Now, Joseph Suali came in as quite a highly touted teenager last year. Don't he can't really make too much of that season. He only played five games, but 37 points a game was pretty underwhelming, even though, you know, he had a mix of one or two games shifting to the wing and, and a few games, you know, playing at centre. He only scored one try in his five games, and his scores were 33, 74, 32, 22, 24. Now, all of those were 80-minute games, so we got to see a pretty good sample size of what he's going to do. Uh, I did think that, you, know, you could see his inexperience, but I did think that he tried to have a bit of a dig. He had 25 base, which, you know, for his first five games of his career isn't bad. Uh, one of the notables, though, is that in the off-season, he does look huge. He has noticeably grown. Uh, it's been a lot of the talk around the Roosters. Fans that have seen him that I know have said, wow, have you seen how big Joe Suali looks? Like, he, he looks big. Um, he looks like he's bulked up, and Robbo has talked him up as well. I've said many times um, my predicted Roosters side, Luke, I think that Joseph Suali is going to be starting on the wing. I think Billy Smith is going to be the odd man out uh, just because he hasn't played much football the last few years. I think that with the injuries and everything that Robbo is going to want to get footy under his belt first and get some confidence, and he's going to give Joseph Suali the start on the wing. Now, if he is starting on the wing, Luke, it's going to be very hard to leave him out, in my opinion. And I hate saying must have. If no cheapies like bottom dollar cheapies and center wings show up you know joseph suali is going to be one of the very few that are going to almost fit the bill he's two hundred sixty thousand. there's very few guys that are sort of two hundred sixty thousand or below that are going to have the potential to hit the tries that he will on the roosters wing uh and really in your squad you have to have a lot of these guys that are going to be cheap we might only get two reasonable cows. Maybe people will have a go on one or two guys that might play down the track as cheapies. And then you're going to have to be buying a few of these guys at sort of that 250 to 300 range. In centre wing, it's it's really important. You can't spend too much there. So for me, Joe Suali is a really, really strong buy for your round one side. Yeah, if he's picked, you've got to pick him, I reckon, at that price, unless we get a 
quite a few people were not expecting to. I think, yeah, that's a pretty obvious one that you lock him in and think he'll improve and, and certainly get some more attacking opportunities. So he's named in. What are you, what's your take on him from a footy perspective when you were seeing him? Oh, I, I didn't think he looked any good in first grade, but I don't mean that in too much of a negative. I, I, I've seen the attributes, so I saw a bit of his reserve grade stuff, and he's obviously very talented. No, it wasn't the perfect time to get a look at that first grade last year. Um, the Roosters weren't set up particularly well for him to come into the team um, when he was there, and, and I don't think he showed a lot, but it's clear he's got the physical attributes in the game and, and he's got a bit of footwork we saw once or twice. So I, I think I, I don't think him being poor last year is anything to worry too much about in terms of his future. I think he's still someone to, to have a big watch on. Yep. Get him in your side, guys, for round one. If he's if he's yep. if he's named, get him in your centre wing. He's going to be one of the guys you're going to have to have there to build yep. and be able to spend elsewhere. Uh, last guy we're going to finish on quickly is going to be Sam Verrills. Now, Sam Verrills has been a bit disappointing for me. I'm actually disappointed that they've um, purchased Brandon Smith for after this year. Uh, and that might sound a bit strange because Brandon Smith is a, a very, very good player and a lot of teams would be lucky to have him. But I really, I've been probably looking forward for four or five years to see Sam Verrills get a shot at the number nine jersey. And I think he has as well. Uh, and I think he's got immense talent. So it's a bit of a shame. Maybe we'll see it this year, especially with a, a contract year. But Luke, we didn't see it last year. Um, he played 59 minutes a game. He only scored 42 points a game. For a hooker, that's an abysmal PPM. It's the worst PPM he's shown in the few years that he's been playing first-grade games. There was really not much to like about it at all. Um, probably the only thing was that there was a few pretty low-minute games. Like he had a 31-minute game, a 36-minute game uh, in there for his average. But, you know, starting off the bench for two of them as well. I'm. This is one where the numbers don't really substantiate it. We've got Randall now, okay? But let's pretend in a, there's a world where Randall isn't starting for Newcastle and there isn't any cheap options, you know. Can you possibly take a punt on a mid-range Sam Verrills at 371,000, hope that he plays sort of 60-plus minutes? Oh, you could, but he's also not. He's also suspended for the first week. So um, that killed it for me. I was looking at him a little bit when there was none there, but the, the fact that he's not going to play the first week, he's a bit too expensive to carry for that, given he's also not a gun. Um, I, I think only, only week one, though, is your backup hooker, so I mean, I reckon yeah, he'll pass it. Yeah, but if you're going to, if you, yeah, I don't know, if you get like, a, I'd, I'd rather carry Harry Grant a week or something and carry a gun than to carry a guy at 370. I don't know. I know what you're saying, but I, I, not really. Uh, if you had no other options, he should improve because he's a talented player and he was coming off an ACL and he was pretty poor off the ACL. Then he detached his retina and missed a few weeks and all that's pretty disruptive and I imagine fairly unpleasant to go through <laughs> to boot. So, it, you know, like all of that comes together. I think he'll play better this year and he's in a contract year. But I think if you combine being out the first week, being in the in the mid threes and and not really looking great last year. I, I probably have to give him, give him a miss. But in real life, I'm interested to see how he goes because I think he's a talented player and I'd really like to see him have a good year. Yeah, I, I think that he will have a good year. Uh, yeah. And I'm, you know, he averaged 42 points a game last year. Uh, I, I think that he's going to average possibly 10 points better, I would guess, around the 52 mark, if not definitely 50 plus. Uh, and I think that's going to be decent value, but it's it's going to be too many question marks to start the year with him. 
he's probably one of the only guys aside from Suali though that really qualifies as someone that you can take a punt on that's going to be a cheap to mid-range guy. The rest of the guys mm. get just more expensive, which is why you need to kind of cover your bases. And when we started talking about this, you know, we, we didn't know for sure whether Randall was going to be starting at nine or not. Looks like he is. If he's not, then all of a sudden, you know, Verrills might be one of the cheaper hooker options that you've got that you can consider. For draft, uh, certainly after the first half, half of the NRL hookers are, are off the board. I think that he comes into consideration and you could actually get him at a really good discount in draft as well uh, as one of your final few round picks that you can plug in at hooker and safely play and probably get 10 points better out of him than what we've seen before. So probably where he's going to be most relevant. Um, but, you know, one of the things too, to finish up on the Roosters guys in the podcast, important things with guys that you're not going to start with round one, I think Luke is um, any of these guys that you don't hit on that end up good the first few weeks, there'll definitely be suspensions and injuries and you can just downgrade and grab some of these guys if you need to. And, and that's probably the best bet with some of these riskier guys. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, it's a good watch to watch some of these guys in the mid for a week or two, see what their role is, see how they're playing. And you can always pivot to them if you need to start with the, the locks and then pivot onto some of the guys you weren't too sure about. It's yeah. much harder to go the other way when you start with a guy at 450 and it doesn't work out, you've got really limited options on what you can do with him when you haven't made cash yet. But if you start with someone solid, it's very easy to make a few jumps and swap that way for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, Luke, thanks for coming on and doing each of the podcasts, uh, the Knights podcast and also the Roosters podcast. Really appreciate it. Um, always happy to have you on and chat footy, mate, and we'll get you on regularly during the year. Pleasure, mate. Enjoyed it. Can't wait to get back into the footy season. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. Guys, you can hear Luke on the Rugby League Cemetery podcast, which is out every now and then as well on everywhere that you find all the podcasts. Um, I imagine, Luke, it's on Spotify and iTunes. Yeah, that's right. Yep, sure is. And, guys, you can follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars, and download the episodes for the All Stars podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Make sure you hit subscribe. You'll get the episodes straight away. Make sure you also hit up our sponsor, Top Sport is a fantastic sponsor of the All-Stars podcast. They are 100% Australian-owned bookmaker. They will give you fantastic odds, often best in market. And if you're going to jump on their credit account, make sure you gamble responsibly, but use the All-Stars promo code. That is SC All-Stars, all one word. Top Sport will see it. They'll know that you're one of our great listeners and they'll take fantastic care of you. And they've already got all the NRL futures markets up too. So you can bet on a lot of great stuff right now. Whether you want teams that are going to win the premiership, just make the grand final, miss the eight or make the eight, you can bet on all of it right now in top sport. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll be back in a week with another preseason episode. Until then, have fun with your teams. The Supercoach official launch is right around the corner. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on.